That wonderful piece of music was written for the celebration or the honoring of Highland Baptist Church's 100th anniversary celebration of our sanctuary. And I love how it mirrored what Isaiah Cooksey said in his prayer at the very beginning. Oh God, you speak your truth and beauty in every hour. If you want to see something really wonderful, look at Isaiah's notes for his prayer when, uh, after the service. We'll let our children now be dismissed for their time of worship. Terry and Nina, do you all have your cell phones off? Okay, that's what makes you. Let's pray together. Oh God, you speak your beauty every hour, every moment of the day. Thank you for this particular expression of worship, which focuses our eyes and tunes our ears and hearts to see you always. Thank you for the gift of Pentecost. And may your church today, not only this expression of it, but your church around the world in its many and varied forms, be open to your Spirit's coming to mold us and make us after your will. Thank you for the community gathered now in this particular place. May our hearts be open to hear what you would say to us in and through preaching and song, scripture, community, that we might be more fully your people now and always through Christ, we pray. Amen. The high school cheerleaders would begin the cheer. We've got spirit. Yes, we do. We've got spirit. How about you? And the fans from the opposing side on the other side of the basketball court would holler back. We've got spirit. Yes, we do. We've got spirit. How about you? It was all fun, I guess. Um, But eventually it became kind of a contest, a duel to see who could be the loudest. Who has the spirit? I, of course, thought about this old memory as I looked again at this passage from Acts chapter 2, the coming of the Holy Spirit to the church. Because one of the things that I realize about the church through the years is our tendency to have this sort of exclusive claim to God's sacred presence. We've got the Spirit. Yes, we do. The question then becomes, well, which church Who gets to decide? Is it the church that's the loudest and the biggest? Is the Holy Spirit about who's right, who's best, who's loudest, who's most adamant? For far too long, the church has treated the Holy Spirit much the same way the little kid treated the football the first time he ever touched the ball in a pickup game in the backyard. The first time he got the ball in his hands, he took the ball and ran inside and closed the door and didn't come back out. It was his ball. We've got spirit. Yes, we do. We've got spirit. Nanny boo-boo on you. Abraham Maslow said, if the only tool you have in your tool belt is a hammer, you treat everything like a nail. If life is about competition, who wins, who's best, who's loudest, then everything is interpreted through this lens, even Holy Spirit. 
But what if competition is the wrong interpretive lens? In fact, what if it sends us in a way that is contrary to the dream of God? Pentecost is the celebration of the Spirit. What it means to feel as people, as human beings, this animating presence of the Holy that awakens us and enlivens us and reframes how we live our lives and how we define our lives. It's hugely important. Next Sunday, we'll observe Trinity Sunday, where we put all of these together, Creator, Christ, and Spirit, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Trinity is hugely important, and especially the Holy Spirit. For without Holy Spirit, God becomes an idea. And without Holy Spirit, Jesus is a historical figure from long ago. But with Spirit, we realize that God is bigger and more beautiful than we ever dreamed God to be. And that God is not done. God's not done. We may have closed the canon to the 66 books of the Bible. But that doesn't mean that God is done writing the story of the people of faith. Pentecost, of course, is a Jewish holiday. So Jews, people of faith from all around the world were gathered that day in Jerusalem from far and wide. It's like Derby Day in Louisville. People come in from all parts. But this particular year, what makes, what makes Pentecost significant is that the church, this little fledgling group of people who have been following Jesus... The one who was crucified, the one they said rose again, but now is gone from them. They're gathered together in one place. Perhaps they're gathered out of expectation. He promised them, I'll send the advocate. Wait until you receive this power. They may have also been gathered out of fear. They knew what had happened to their leader. He'd been executed. What would happen to them? They're gathered in fear. They're gathered with some expectation. And something happens. Something came over them. It wasn't something they manufactured. It wasn't contrived. It just seemed to come out of nowhere. And Luke writing says it was like wind. It was like fire. These primal elements that transcend all language and culture and religions and geographic boundaries... Wind and fire speak the language of all humanity and it draws the people together. It descends on the believers. And Luke tells us it breaks down the barriers between the disciples and all those who are outside of the room. It moves them beyond themselves, beyond their own fears, even beyond their language so that they can speak the language of other people. And they can communicate to other people. When we talk about God, we're talking about connections and community and communication that bring healing and life and peace. You know the church is alive. You know the church is filled with the Spirit when it sees other people's points of view and is able to speak to them in a language they get. They get. It takes lots of different forms. 
As you know, our church has been working with uh, churches and uh, groups in West Louisville of late. West Louisville, the poor and predominantly African-American part of our city, is a part of our city that has very few resources. Some family dollar stores, lots of gas stations, lots of places to buy liquor and lottery tickets, but very few else, very few other things. Many of you know that Walmart has recently proposed that they build a Walmart center in the middle of West Louisville. What you may not know is that I've had sort of a running feud with Walmart over the years. Um, I was on a national commercial uh, called Wake Up Walmart, and so the idea of the big box store going into West Louisville did not seem like a good idea to me. Add to that Walmart's request or insistence that they didn't want to follow the zoning rules, that they wanted to build their, their Walmart center with the parking lot in the front and the building in the back as they do in suburbs rather than the way that the city wanted them to build it according to the city ordinance laws. Well, I expressed my displeasure with Walmart to one of my friends in West Louisville expecting to get a, a response of support. What I heard instead was this. Hmm, do you have a Walmart in your neighborhood? I do, I said. Do you also have a Kmart? You have a Target, right? You have a Myers? You have Kroger? You have all those stores? We have nothing, he said. And all of a sudden, I was able to hear from his point of view why a Walmart is not such a bad thing. He said, brother, we just want a place where we can go buy a pair of socks in our neighborhood without having to leave our neighborhood of 62,000 people. Is that too much to ask? It's not too much to ask. Pentecost happens when we see others' points of view and find peaceable solutions. Peter, quoting from the prophet Joel, says, Those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. What does that mean? It means that when we welcome the breaking down of barriers between us and the world, between us and them, God has a way of delivering us from the confusion and the competition and begin to forge new relationships and new common ground. Many of you will remember, it's been several, it's almost two decades ago when we moved our youth space in our, in our facilities from what we call the fireside room in the basement up onto the second floor. As we did that, we made the proposal that we move some of our war memorial plaques. We had these plaques of young men, they're all male, who who died in war, who came from Highland Baptist Church. So these were kids from our own youth group who then went on to war, and these six were killed. We had their photos, we had plaques for each one, and we decided we would put them outside of this new youth space in the hallway there and form it in such a way that their pictures and their plaques were arranged, but above them we would put an inscription. We decided on the one from Isaiah that says, they'll beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not lift up sword against nation, neither will they learn war anymore. 
We put it together on a piece of paper. Here's what it's going to look like. We brought it into the leadership, expecting them to all pat us on the back for this great idea. But much to our surprise, there were several in the group that said, I find this offensive. Offensive? How do you find Bible offensive? We're church. That's what we do. They said, well, when you put it with these plaques and these photos, it can be interpreted to say, these young men did the wrong thing. They shouldn't have gone to war. Well, that's not what we're saying. We said in, in, in defense, we said that that wasn't our intent at all. You all are just trying to uh, advertise war, and we're here we are trying to be peacemakers. Oh, it went downhill from there. And <laughs> as we argued with each other, Tracy Holliday was over on one corner of the room. He was making some notes, and finally when there was a moment for him to speak, he said, what if we add just a little line before the inscription? What if we said, in remembering all who have died from the tragedy of war, we pray for the day when, quote, they'll beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks. That's exactly what we're trying to say, we said. And the other side said, That's exactly what we wanted to say. And it was one of those moments where Holy Spirit let us speak in such a way that we could hear and communicate and find that common ground. I love that story because it's got a happy ending. Not every story has a happy ending. This isn't easy. In fact, It's quite hard. How do you speak the language of Donald Trump? How do you speak the language of Albert Moeller, the president of the Baptist Seminary? Dr. Moeller was on NPR this week, a national show that came to Louisville for its morning edition and afternoon show. In a two-part series, they talked about churches in Louisville and how we're responding to questions of sexuality in our world today. Dr. Moeller, of course, represented one point of view. And as he presented his point of view, he talked about how they hold the biblical values, how they don't adapt to the whims of culture, how they are the ones who are possessing the Holy Spirit. You can imagine how well I received that information. But the other group that they chose to talk to was a little church in southwest Jefferson County by the name of Ridgewood Baptist Church, our partner congregation. They interviewed Nick Wilson, who was a member here at Highland before he joined to play the piano at Ridgewood. He's been ordained to the ministry now. Nick is an openly gay man. He said to the, to the commentator, I knew I was gay. And I knew I was called to the ministry, just like my father had been and two of my grandfathers had been. And yet, those two didn't go together in the little Baptist church I grew up in. So I prayed for God to take it away, but God didn't. He didn't take the gay away, and he didn't take my call to ministry away. They interviewed Sarah Thurman. Sarah's a recent high school graduate. She said, my friends from high school would always ask me, How do you let gay people into your church? And I'd say to them, we just open the doors and they walk in. (laughs) Don't you love that? 
boom, throw the mic down. We got spirit. Yes, we do. We got spirit. How about you? And yet in those moments when I'm not afraid, when I don't have a need for others to be wrong in order for me to be right, I see we need everyone. We need everyone. God doesn't throw anyone away. Not Donald Trump, not Al Mohler, not you, not me. The Holy Spirit of God calls us to speak and to listen and to connect and to love and to recognize that we are one. We're one. Jesus told the parable of the man in the ditch. And just as it wasn't right for the priest or the Levite to leave the man in the ditch, it's not right for any of us to leave anyone in the ditch. We're all in this together. Now you got quiet on me here. You don't like my idea. And i got to tell you, I don't like it either. I, I don't know how this works. Except by way of the Holy Spirit. It will take the Holy Spirit of God to allow us to find ways to talk together that takes the chaff and lets it go away. All the hatred, all the, all the cynicism and misogyny, all the racism and fear, and as I think it says in the book of Revelation, to burn that stuff in the lake of fire. But we need each other. We need to listen carefully. We need to speak wisely. We need to relate patiently. Not one of my strong suits, which is why we need each other to be patient together and to make this place for all. Because just as on that day of Pentecost, where for one shining moment, the church embodied the Spirit of God, people from all nations, Medes, Elamites, people from Macedonia, Asia, Cappadocia, even the Cretans, they're all there together and they embody the Spirit of God who created this world not in uniformity, but in diversity. Thanks be to God for diversity. Not in monotony, where we all sing one note exactly the same, but in harmony, where each one of our notes blend together into the chords that make up the song of God in the world. And it's rich, and it's beautiful, and it's bigger than we could ever dream. And here's where the sermon ends. And the work of love begins. When the Holy Spirit, that third person of the Trinity, calls upon you, you, to use your life, your ears, your mouth, to bring healing and wholeness, life and love to the creation even as God dreamed it and made it to be. Lord, let it be among us. In your holy name we pray. Amen. And so we sing the song of faith. It's about being the kind of church where all are welcome. You sing and you ask God, how am I being called to be part of that inclusive love that brings all in?
How are we as Highland being called and formed and reformed even now? If this is a church where you can plant your life and be part of what God is doing, we would welcome you to come and speak to me as we stand together and sing the faith provided on the 830 panel of our order of service. Together we stand and sing faith.